This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Yo, what's up, guys? You like our podcast? You want to make your own? You have all the power, all the resources you need to make your own podcast. That's right. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, let me give you a rundown. Basically, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And here's how it works. Anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the only place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify, which is super important. With Anchor, creators can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. That's right. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is anchor.fm to get started. It's what we use. We get a little kickback from it, and we appreciate it. So if you guys want your own podcast, go to Anchor. .fm to get started. Peace. Hello and welcome to the Anatomy of Marriage podcast. I'm your host, Melanie Studley. What's up, y'all? My name is Seth Studley. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. And today we are bringing you Episode 2 of the Season 1 re-release titled, Marriage Starts at Birth. If you're new here, welcome. We have over 300 episodes about all things marriage and relationship related, and we are super excited about this re-release. We're going back through Season 1 of our show and re-releasing all 13 episodes, and we are following along in our mastermind with this Season 1 workbook that you can get on our website, anatomyofmarriage.com. And so we're really excited about it because it's more than just a regular podcast. It's sort of an experiential thing. And if you need help in your relationships, you can go through this on your own or with your partner. And it's really exciting. Go to anatomyofmarriage.com to learn more. Totally. So because we are redoing season one and we have an amazing workbook called the best marriage workbook ever, it's like you get marriage therapy through the book and then you get to check in with us with the podcast and do your own work every single week. So Mm -hmm. you're about to take a deep dive into a 13-week marriage course for free. Well, you got to buy the book, but... It's only 24 bucks. Yeah, she ain't losing much. That's nothing. Um, So yeah, so check that out. Uh, Again, that's anatomyofmarriage.com. But today's episode, like Seth said, is titled Marriage Starts at Birth, and it's one of my favorite episodes. We Mm -hmm. interview Seth's grandmother. We didn't tell her, but we (laughs) recorded her at a... We recorded her at your brother's engagement party without right. telling her. So if you know her, don't tell her. Um, that's yeah. why the sound is kind of crazy. But it's a really great episode. It talks all about family of origin. We interview Dr. Les and Leslie Parrott, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Claudia Graf Coffee Grounds. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it's exciting. We're really jazzed about it. So we'll just dive right in. Yeah. All Hope right. Hope you guys enjoy. Enjoy. So do you know what family of origin is, Matt? Yes, I do. In fact, Seth explained it to me one time in a way that I thought was really good. And he was taking a graduate course about how families interrelate and are balanced like a, a mobile hanging over a baby's crib. And when one thing's off, it, it gets off. That's, how, that's currently the, the way that I think about family of origin. So we're going to get clinical a little bit earlier than normal, but it's worth it. So just hang in there. 
Family of origin refers to the significant caretakers and siblings that a person grows up with, or the first social group that a person belongs to, which is often someone's biological or adoptive family. But it turns out the family of origin is much more complex than the definition would have you believe. Dr. Les and Leslie Parrott explain. Well, the home you grew up in is your university of relationships. And so you learn more about relationships from that home than you'll learn from any book or podcast or seminar or anything else the rest of your days, for good or for ill. Mm -hmm. And so we learn positive things and negative things. But family of origin, it's difficult to exaggerate. Mm -hmm. The power. The power and the continuing influence that it has on our relationships and us as individuals. And and part of the power is it's so unspoken. It's so unconscious. You don't realize it. You know, it's just the only way you know to be in the world. Mm-hmm. It's the only way you know to be in a relationship. And it's not until someone calls you out that there's maybe a different way that you even become aware of it. There's two major influences from the home you grew up in, and that is unspoken rules. All of us have an invisible rule book of how life is supposed to be lived that's built and constructed on what we saw growing up. And uh, sometimes we don't even know we have rules about how life should be lived until we get married, and then our spouse begins to break those rules, right? Mm -hmm. And then secondly is unconscious role expectations. Uh, We all come into a relationship with these unconscious and super powerful expectations about how that person should behave based on what we saw in our homes growing up. And that might be something we want modeled and repeated, or it may be just the opposite of that. But either way, it's powerful. Well, it's powerful because we feel loved or unloved on the basis of whether or not the other person lives those rules. And so it's very powerful. Okay, so... I never thought about it that way before, but every hour you spend around your family of origin is essentially is like an hour in the lab or in a classroom. And so no matter what you want to learn or what somebody told you the Bible says or your church group or your premarital does, that pales in comparison to the, to the intense amount of training you've had in marriage and family systems that you're not even aware of. Yeah, just think about what the parrots were just saying. It's like the university of relationships. Mm-hmm. So that's my husband, Seth. You'll recognize him from last week's episode. Mm-hmm. You know, like we are all professionals in our family of origin. Mm-hmm. We have the most training. We've spent the most time. More than 10,000 hours. More than 10,000 hours. Learning something that was pr- you know, likely broken. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. There is an idea that became popular a few years ago that claims that it takes roughly 10,000 hours of deliberate practice to achieve mastery in a field. This could be anything from gymnastics to rocket science. But think about how many more hours you spend just living with your family. And those hours can be things like fighting over the TV remote, listening to your parents argue about racial issues, marriage equality, what types of clothes they think are acceptable for teenagers to wear, or what kind of music they should play at church. How did you meet? Uh, I worked for her dad. I was... Before that, doing auto body stuff, restoring old cars, and her brother has an old Mustang that I put floorboards in. This is Charlie. So I was out in the garage. I think it was the first time we really met. Mm -hmm. And his wife, Nicole. I'm Nicole. And she walked out to get something out of the freezer, and we just started talking. What was she wearing? (laughs) I believe she was wearing pink pajamas. (laughs) They had cats on them. Cats. But I just remember his, like, he was so, well, he was missing his two front teeth, right? And he just had the most amazing smile, and it was really cute and funny at the same time. See him smile with a big gap. (laughs) 
time for some backstory. Uh, I was like 10-ish. I was going down a hill on my bike and over the handlebars. I saw one tooth. Ding! And the other one I must have swallowed. (laughs) And my best friend at the time was riding behind me. He said he ran over my head. (laughs) So he also went down. (laughs) But that was... That's what he says. I don't know. I blacked out for like a split second. Probably because he ran over your head. <laughs> As you can tell by now, Nicole and Charlie are a fun-loving couple who really like to laugh. Nicole also happens to be my childhood neighbor, who I have been friends with since I was 10 years old. So we get along pretty well. She and Charlie dated for about three years and eventually took the plunge and were married back in 2012. Their wedding was a beautiful and fun celebration, complete with a huge choreographed swing dance. It was so much fun. But it didn't take long for things to get complicated. Religion has been a big thing, um, and I think that's impacted me more than I've realized. So Charlie grew up attending... Uh, Just a conservative... Christian Church of Christ. Yeah, no music, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's all acapella. Which well, is yeah, awesome, yeah. But... Sorry, I meant no, no instruments. In- no instruments. While Nicole, Assembly of God Church. You know my mom. Like she's out there dancing, praying in tongues. Backflips. Yep. So how, when you got married, or when you were dating or engaged, did you talk about that stuff ahead of time? A little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. We would visit each other's congregations and stuff like that. Now here's the part where Family of Origin makes its debut. I was always raised that instruments weren't really allowed in church. It was it was never anything anyone ever did. So this is where stuff gets kind of tricky. Because you could say that culture is at work here and not Family of Origin. But in the case of choosing a church... Family of origin would inform the type of church that you are drawn to. For example, if I was raised in a home that valued strict moral codes, I might look for a church that mirrors those values when I become an adult, or I might just default to the type of church that I grew up in because that feels comfortable and I understand it. But in Nicole and Charlie's case, they are technically a part of the same religion. They are Christians, but, and this is a huge but, Their churches have different views about the role of instruments in the church. And this is sort of just hitting me. It isn't even the role of music in the church, just the role of instruments. And this one small difference that has been ingrained in both of their understanding of the church experience throughout life is colliding into something much bigger than either of them anticipated. You know, we we go strictly New Testament examples for church. So there was no direct example of them using musical instruments it just says like you know heart strings and stuff like that which we mm-hmm. take to mean from the heart it was very different going to her church where it was very loud yeah. <laughs> and very showy i felt like a lot of it was just show mm-hmm. it's hard because a lot of her family does instruments and stuff in their church like they're like their whole family is the band mm-hmm. and i know they're very godly people but I still feel like I go to see a show. (laughs) I wanted to share this story specifically because of the way that one seemingly small aspect of family of origin, such as the preferences of instruments in a church, can deeply affect a relationship. It actually does have much broader implications than just, oh, I like this or I don't like that. And just like so many other couples that bump into the conflict of family of origin issues, Nicole and Charlie just did the thing that felt the easiest at the time and sort of solved the problem. Kind of. 
So I was going to Charlie's church a lot, and he's very, very solid in his faith. And I was okay, I was more okay with his church, so we just kind of flopped that way. I don't know. I didn't feel like there was a lot of opportunity to, to explore more. Mm-hmm. So I'm dealing with some bitterness, I think, which is seeping out in other areas, and that's not good. Do you think that this one issue has affected other things in your marriage? I think that part of me is a little resentful, I think. And that I think that I feel like I gave, I think what the resentment is coming from is I feel like I gave up like 20 years of my life and that's a lot of myself to lose. And so I think that is more of where the resentment comes from. It's like I had to give up this giant portion of my life and I don't feel like you did, if that makes sense. Makes sense. I figured we'd definitely go to different churches. It just never happened. Yeah. So after the second draft of this episode, our producer Matt called me for some editing notes. And I sort of did a naughty thing. I actually recorded our conversation without telling him. At first. I mean, I told him after the fact that I had recorded him. But he had some really great insight about family of origin and what he thought all of you would want to take away from this episode. So instead of me narrating what he told me, I figured I would just play some of that recording. You naturally assume that not what you're used to is wrong. Yeah. And so I want that to be stated really clearly. And then there's a bunch of places where there's plenty of opportunity to demonstrate it that aren't even happening. Like when they started going to Charlie's church instead of Nicole's because they just went there, mm-hmm. it would be really awesome to insert some say, but even that action of the fact that they wound up going to her, his church that are hers, mm-hmm. why didn't she fight for that? There's so many families where it's like, oh, no, the woman would get her way no matter what. Yeah. Right? So that's a family That's family of origin. Mm-hmm. I love the part about how you break it down to they're even the same religion and they're only talking, and not even music, but with instruments. Mm-hmm. Like, it's what you're doing there is making it seem like this stuff is arbitrary, but it doesn't feel arbitrary to the people in it. That's, yeah. the, that's the huge, that's what I, that would be the most, actually, if you're talking about what would help people from listening to episode two, that would be the biggest takeaway. Okay. Oh, my family of origin things are, are simply arbitrary. I never even questioned them or realized the weight I put into it. Mm-hmm. But it's simply, kids are different, or, or at least as strong as mine. The whole point of it, it's set up so nicely, is that it's un- completely unconscious bias that you've even had all this training in the first place Mm -hmm. in fact a good analogy would be it's like i'm sure you won't get the analogy but you'd be like jason Bourne. like he wakes up no memory but he knows all these fighting skills (laughs) you know what i'm saying you know that story i well sort of sure it's not your kind of movie but everybody knows seth loves it it's like he's obviously worked for a government or something they've erased his memory so he wakes up and whatever but he's just the ultimate fighter and everything he doesn't know how he knows it or what it is but just that's it yeah that's, and that's the way we feel about all of our stuff. I mean, whatever it is that we're like, we just, we strongly know it. It's muscle memory, all of our reactions and the way we do stuff. And we, we're not even aware that we've had training. See, I told you it was good. But, yeah, I think the biggest thing, though. Here's me and Seth in the car again. For me, coming through this is like the, and honestly, it sounds really, um, uh, I don't know what the word is, but it just sounds sad, like pessimistic sad. or something. But like uh, this this idea that 
I can hurt you just and, and make you feel just as bad as I feel. Which I guess I just didn't think. I never thought I could hurt you the way that you were hurting me. You know? I just thought you're stronger than I am. You understand more than I do. You're older than me. There's no way I can hurt you like you're hurting me. And so I didn't even think of it. I just didn't think to not do it. You know? And, to not uh, do what? To not just say what I felt. I, I just thought, well, he'll get it. He'll understand. He's older and he knows things and he's been a Christian longer. He'll get it. So you thought that you could just, like, dump everything? Yeah, I just... Yeah, I thought, well, what won't he... He'll understand it. I think that um, that's how you've hurt me the most and worst. By assuming that I could be that person for you. Does that make sense? That's how you've hurt me the most and worst 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 I'm I see that now actually in like the recent conversation we had where you said something along the lines of you're not the pro at something and I've I've always viewed you as no he knows what he's doing he's he is he can he understands this. He'll get it, and he'll he'll be fine. And he's strong, and he knows. That makes a lot of sense because um, that's how uh, I think that's how your dad presents, and you've just given him everything. Like, oh, you know, he doesn't care. It doesn't matter. I've heard you say that a lot. You know. Here's some more from my phone call with Matt. And that's the way we feel about all of our stuff. I mean, whatever it is that we're like, we just, we strongly know it. It's muscle memory, all of our reactions and the way we do stuff. And we're not even aware that we've had training or why we would be so conditioned to immediately think I could dump on my husband. Why? I mean, you didn't ever decide to do that. It's crazy. Yeah. You just, it was no different than breathing or, or driving a car that you've done a thousand times. That's what you would do. And you didn't know that you've been trained to do that. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's really good and really helpful if you can, if we can illustrate that, like, really. Yeah. So I sat down with Seth and Matt, and we talked about that car ride conversation. I, I, I think that, that clip brought up a lot, um, including birth order stuff. Most of the research that talks about family of origin issues also includes birth order, like youngest sister of sisters or youngest kid of five kids, which that's what you are, and me being and the oldest. She's the youngest. And Melanie and is the, the youngest, oldest. and I'm the oldest mm-hmm. brother of brothers. So we, we kind of unconsciously uh, just perpetuated the, the roles that we had in our family. Is it, it's almost and, as, as if you're recreating the, what you know. Yeah, it's kind of like just oh, always, always going back to, to what you know. Yeah. People do, people want to do the right thing, but we usually go towards the thing that is most convenient. That's what we do. We, we go towards what we know. 
is interesting because the training for our marriage may come from our parents, but not so much of their relationship sometimes. But for instance, how Melanie related to her dad, that's the the strongest male relationship of somebody older and stronger than her. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, she's going to naturally treat you the same as she does treat her dad. Meanwhile, a dad is often trying to be um, immovable and not, you know, needy from his kids and things like that, where I could see how she would get that impression from him Mm -hmm. that you can dump anything on me. I'm your dad. But that doesn't necessarily work in a husband-wife relationship. Yeah. So that that's going to take a paradigm shift on your part. It's like, oh, this isn't my dad. Like, I can still be, you know, strong or solid and stuff, but strong and solid as a husband figure, not a dad figure. Well, what's the difference? Well, uh, the difference is this. With my daughter, I want to be bulletproof and be able to take anything that she could ever dump on me and, and not have her feel like I need anything from her. But part of that is because of an age difference and everything else. But... In a way, that's training her to think that way about her husband, which may not be appropriate. Yeah, I think if you could model that same strength, but also kind of illustrate, and this would, of course, be developmentally and age appropriate to, to the kid, but also like, hey, you know, you're, you as a person, kid, enriches my life. I'm learning, you know, right. and, that, and, that's, that's and then the kid feels a sense of like uh, some sense of autonomy, like, oh, this is my special thing that I can, you know, share with my dad or share with my mom. But it's not neediness, it's, it's, but it's, uh, right. uh, it, there, is a, there is an interdependence that's healthy. Right, and it's reciprocal. It's a healthy reciprocal exchange. And sometimes I even call it serendipitous exchange where um, out of a relationship, I'm gaining something while I support you and the other person is also giving me something while being supported. You don't want to need anything from your daughter, right? Right. But what that did for me, I think, Mm. was that I felt like my dad didn't need anything from me. That like whatever I did was never good enough. Or didn't matter. Yeah. So to be an ironclad superhero of a dad or husband is unrealistic and ultimately maybe not the most healthy, even if you were capable of pulling it off. So it feels like slightly derailed here. Like we switched topics somewhere in the middle. But I found that this seems to happen with every single topic of every single episode in the entire season. One thing slowly creeps into another, and before you know it, you've gone from family of origin to daddy issues to expectations, and then back again. But these topics are, in the words of my therapist husband, part of a system. And in a system, one thing affects another, which in turn affects another. For example, you can't remove a person's foot without it impacting other parts of the system, like posture, muscle structure, the way that person walks. Your foot is not just a foot. It's a part of the entire body. And family of origin is not just family of origin. It seeps out into things like communication, understanding, the ability to be flexible, how you respond to stress. It's omnipresent and inescapable. And the more we're aware of our own family of origin issues, the better we can understand why we do the things that we do in our relationships. For example, can we talk about your family? I think so. Is that all right? Not if they listen to this. (laughs) 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 Well, I remember in, in grad school, it's a common thing for students to like diagnose every single person they know, right? So I was constantly for three years, like every single day, going through my own family of origin issues, you know, thinking where, oh my gosh, you know, I realize that's, that's crazy. You know, why, why would, why would I think that it's okay for my, uh, my grandmother to come over like every day and rearrange my room or Wait, cl- did she clean do the that? house? Yeah, she did that, you know, and I would, Your grandma. my grandma, you know, I, I would move a piece of furniture in my own room 
and she would come over and clean the house almost every day. And I would come home from school like, oh, what has moved today? That's not normal. I remember that, too, um, that Seth's grandma would come when we were in high school. Seth's grandma would come over and literally rearrange his underwear drawer. Inside his underwear drawer when he was in high school. I don't even remember that, yeah. but that's crazy. What? I mean, she. It was. It was. There was no. There was just no boundary there. Yeah. You it, know, we it, thought it was funny, and to Seth, it seemed yeah. normal. Or, yeah. or, or Seth thought it was a little bit funny, but yeah. It, well, it, it was. We didn't it recognize was, it that was as, enough to irritate me. Yeah. But had I not known that that was abnormal, I guarantee that I would think it was normal right now in our own marriage. You know, to to rearrange stuff, to think where I, you know, where they should be, not taking into account your preference or what's convenient or what even is. Right, you know, so that's that's a perfect point. It's it's boundaries, you know, clear. There's there are all kinds of terms for it, like um, uh, diffuse boundaries, rigid boundaries, open boundaries, and some of them have you know tenets of good things, but most most of those are uh, used to describe like no, this is not this is not normal. So growing up, um, taking those boundaries of normal, like well, of course we do it this way, you know, what what you're you're gonna wear that. You know, you're, you we're not we're not sitting down for supper, at, you know, and those are like other unspoken rules and stuff. But I think our, our marriage was we had to work through that big time. What do you think our biggest thing that we had to work through was like if you just look at it from family of origin mm. perspective? Um, I, I think there's a lot to do culturally, of course, being from the South and having all these rules. That's um, a different episode. Don't talk about that one yet. Um, there's lots of other things, though, like you. So. You say you don't like people to be critical. You don't like it when I'm critical, but you. I have... can be critical of you and others. Well, no, you're like you're. I don't like you say. don't recognize it when you're being critical. Yeah, and you're hypercritical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so many of my friends are like, Seth cares about what your sofa looks like. Part of the reason that Seth is so critical is that his family of origin was created from a very specific time and place. Hello, my darling. Namely, England during World War II. Somebody gave us half a dozen eggs. We were through. Mm -hmm. But we didn't complain. Seth's grandmother, who is the matriarch of his family, came from a world that we can barely imagine. And then I was in school when I first... At the first, and we would just march down under these banks, you know, and sing rounders or something to keep the hours going. Yeah. I mean... When the air raids came, it came so often that you didn't, you didn't get it, you know what I mean? You knew that you had to get safe if it really got bad with the air cat. Everything, we'd walk home from a dance and they'd be up there, you know, caught in the searchlight, young, invincible. How do you think going through the war affected who you are as a person? Gave you courage, a strength, and the ability not to be upset over the small things. You right. know, you just faced it. Didn't bother. Yeah. I'm very pragmatic on everything. I mean, even as as your family was dying, you had to keep going. Mm-hmm. We had a good life. I had a good life. I was dancing all the time. Yeah. In 1946, at the age of 19, Seth's grandmother came to the United States from England on a ship named the Queen Mary. She was a young war bride. I came to the United States and was shocked at the United States. I only knew it through the eyes of the movies and the stars. 
and my own life was far advanced. Were you disappointed or surprised? Well, I'm going to make the best of everything and never admit, never admit that I made a mistake. Right. You know, because I went to the back of the Queen Mary as we were leaving England, and I stood there, and I watched it when I was 19. Wow. And I said, never going to see them again. Telling myself, standing there, but hoping, you know, that things were going to be great. So this is the backbone of Seth's family of origin. His incredibly resilient 90-year-old grandmother, who lost her brother along with so many others in the war, who came to the United States on a ship, and who learned etiquette growing up as a young woman in England. And although her life couldn't look more different than the life that Seth and I lead, she has had an enormous impact on our relationship, even though she lives 3,000 miles away. Her upbringing was full of queens and castles. There were very set rules, hundreds of years old, and when you break those rules, she lets you know. So in our marriage, Seth and I are currently shaped by events that happened 80 years ago. We wanted to see what else there was to learn about family of origin, so Seth went back up to SPU to interview a former professor of his, Dr. Claudia Groff-Crowns. Dr. Claudia Groff-Crowns, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and also work as a medical family therapist. And I'm the director of clinical training and research right now, but I have been a chair for 14 years of the marriage and family therapy program here at Seattle Pacific University. I've been licensed since 1982, at the beginning of time. Seth sat down with Claudia and picked her brain about family of origin and the role that it plays in marriage. And just a reminder here, Seth is a marriage and family therapist, so he's going to throw around some pretty fancy words, but don't let it scare you. Elaborate a little bit on the developmental stages of each person, and then when they come into that marital dyad, what does that look like? Okay, so I'm going to repeat what he said, but like a normal person would say it. So hold on, let me... Okay, here we go. Elaborate a little bit on... Can you tell me about... The developmental stages of each person. How people who are different... And then when they come into that marital dyad, what does that look like? Respond to getting married. We did it, folks! Can you tell me how people who are different respond to getting married? Right. So um, one of the things we kind of look at is the readiness of people to partner in relationships. So, for example, if you grew up in a family that was very stressful and difficult and there's a lot of tension and not a good models of relationship, people have hopes and dreams that it's going to be different. Mm. And yet they don't have the skills or the tools to do it differently because they haven't learned them yet. And so um, if you're kind of wanting to flee your family and cling on to somebody, Mm -hmm. then that developmental phase of joining together is going to be more problematic as opposed to a person who recognizes some of those deficits or those struggles or they've had kind of difficult relationships, learn about them from their own history, work Mm -hmm. on that a little bit more personally, Mm -hmm. and then come in a little more prepared to be partnering with somebody else, realizing they have their own needs and they have their own wishes, but other people do too. And to really partner effectively, you have to make room for both people. Mm -hmm. You can't just want it your own personal way, which developmentally is like a younger child doing a temper tantrum. I don't don't appreciate what she just said there because I'm the youngest child. Whatever. 
Um, and psychosocially, I think a big thing has to do with more family background or mm-hmm. relationship history background and how that plays out in a current relationship. How you learn to, you know, does the toilet paper get rolled from the front or the back? Mm-hmm. How clean is clean? Yeah. You know, when if you get a bonus, is that spent for this or that? Mm-hmm. Those family dynamics come through. So then communication skills are awesomely important. Yeah. Negotiating, compromise, give and take problem solving, all of those kind of traditional therapy skills are super useful. Really becoming becoming a we. We talk about moving mm-hmm. from being a you yeah. to to a we. Yeah. And so first I have to understand me, I'm a me, mm-hmm. and then you come up and you're a you, and then you have to create a we. And those are all important things to pay attention to. You know, mm-hmm. I don't like uh, wedding ceremonies where they have two candles oh, yeah. and then the third candle and then they blow out their own. Yeah. <laughs> I like them when all three are lit. You know, it's like yeah. you're still you. You still have come from a history that's important, but we now create something that's a we. It's a shared candle. That's something that we co-create together. And so yeah. new rituals can be done that way too. Yeah. And plus we are where we come from. We are very much where you can't, we come You from. can't escape that. You yeah. know? I mean, to me, it's kind of sad. The whole thing is kind of sad, it feels like, because whatever way that your family isn't complete or perfect is something that you are going to bring into your marriage and put on your spouse and not even know it. Yeah, you'll, I mean, that's a little bit depressing to think. You'll like perpetuate it no matter yeah. what. But, yeah. but unknowingly, you, you know, that that's that's sad. Uh, unless you know about it. that's I, I've struggled with that as like a marriage and family therapist. I just think everything sucks. Like there's no hope for tons of stuff. Should I play sad music? Say that, say that one more time. I'll put some sad music under. Okay, go ahead. As a marriage and family therapist, sometimes I just get so discouraged. Like there's no hope, hope. In the words of my dad, you can't have nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys, we're back. I hope that that deep dive into family of origin stuff really made you think. Because guess what? You are a product of your mom and dad or your grandparents or whoever brought you up, right? That, That is who you are. And, uh... It's so funny because coming into marriage, a lot of people don't realize that. Oh, yeah. A lot of people go, oh, I'll never be like them or this, that, or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, hopefully, if you had good parents and they were did good, then your kids are, are going to, or you say, yeah, my mom and dad had it together. They were, they were straight. They were cool. All this stuff. But that is not always the case. And man, when you get married, you bring that stuff into your marriage. Mm-hmm. And like I said last week, it doesn't go away. Family of origin stuff doesn't go away once you learn about it. It's just like... You go, oh, it's like steeped in every single thread of every single thing. Yeah. And now I have to figure out how to deal with it. Right. So um, you're not saying like, oh, well, you discovered this two years into our 15-year marriage and you just dealt with it, are you? No, not no. at all. You're saying like, uh, well, I'm saying this too. We're, You never get there, right? It's never like a peak. It's like... Last week, today, we're dealing with family of origin stuff mm-hmm. because, All the time. like we said, it never goes away. Of course, you can get better at it and be more empathetic and more gracious and all these things, but it doesn't go away, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it's so amazing to me how, like, we are kind of living through a lot of the things that we talked about in season one, like, in real time, you know? Like, it was, when I was listen, re-listening to the show today... Of course, my grandma was in there, but then my grandma just went to the hospital and... Literally yesterday. Literally yesterday, right? She went to the emergency room because she was sick, you know? She's like 92. She's okay, and she's such a fighter, but just hearing her voice in the podcast, 
you know, from, I don't know, two years ago or so, mm-hmm. just makes me love her so much and remember how, like, influential mm-hmm. she was and still is, you yeah. know, uh, in, in my life. And that's part of me. That is my family of origin. And one thing, probably I'm going on a tangent here, but one thing that I learned from family of origin growing up, because we talk about like my, uh, how grandma would um, rearrange my underwear drawer, yeah. you know, and everybody thought it was funny. It's like, well, it's, this is the water I swim in, this, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And family of origin stuff is like that. Just like a fish doesn't know the fish is really in water, mm-hmm. you know, uh, at least I don't think he does. Um, it's it's you don't know it because you're steeped in it, right? Mm-hmm. So, in in talks with you and I, we've had a lot of growth through the podcast, and even recently, we talked. I've been talking about you know I I feel like or not feel I realize that I'm kind of a controlling person, you know, mm-hmm. not like controlling like oh you can't spend money or you can't go there or whatever. Like I'm controlling and sharing my opinion overly Mm -hmm. much right and then i do try to control the situation to make me feel emotionally comfortable but guess what that does you're controlling in the way that like an australian shepherd is trying to herd something a certain direction Mm. like you drop little hints where Mm -hmm. you want them to be Mm -hmm. and it feels very like if you're not paying attention you don't notice Mm -hmm. it but And your grandma does the same thing. That's why I'm using that analogy. And we just got an Australian shepherd. So it makes sense. But like (laughs) so many parallels, that analogy is really like you're, you're dropping little family of origin, criticism, controlling nuggets Mm -hmm. only where you need them to be Mm -hmm. so that it gets everything to point the direction you want it to go. Right. And if it doesn't, you don't like it. Right. And as a therapist, we'll get clinical here for a minute. Sometimes we try to control situations like that because of an underlying general anxiety mm-hmm. about things. You know, well, I can't be happy if it's not like this or this or like what? You would do that because that makes me uncomfortable. And sometimes it's like anxiety is almost like a just like, you know, you know like because we've been redoing a house too. You know, like some houses might have like radon mm-hmm. or like formaldehyde mm-hmm. in the things like older houses. Luckily, ours doesn't. But those are like silent killers it's like oh i just feel sick all the time well it's like death by a thousand cuts you know Mm -hmm. and like anxiety doesn't look and i had a conversation just yesterday with matt and he was talking about like yeah i think i have anxiety i'm Mm -hmm. like what and i never thought i would i was like no you never thought that anxiety would present to you in this way Mm -hmm. right because it can present a million different ways and it's really hard to figure out but luckily again after 15 years of deep diving and family boards and stuff we're beginning, not beginning, we're, we're constantly shedding light on this stuff. And mm-hmm. because we have growth mindsets, we want to be like, okay, let's re-examine that for the better. And we're not afraid to shed mm. light on it. I think that's a big thing for a lot of couples is that mm-hmm. it's so scary. Gosh, is it scary when someone is like, it's like, um, it's like someone who you don't expect coming to your house and opening your underwear drawer. It's, it's like that. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, what are, you doing? what are you doing? Like, what if they see, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Right. And um, it's that kind of like, if it's overexposing, it feels afraid, it, you feel afraid, it feels mm-hmm. scary, it feels unsettled, it mm-hmm. feels whatever. But I would encourage couples, like if, try to think of it in a new way. It's like mm-hmm. understand, like you're saying, understanding if you've got formaldehyde in your the walls of your house or mm-hmm. you have like mold in the walls of your house, mm. would you rather know and fix it or right. die from it? Right. Like it's, it's, uh, 
it's a lot to fix it. Yeah. yeah. And it takes being like admitting like, yes, I have mold in my walls or whatever, but it's worth fixing it and working on it. So you will be better and you'll be healthier. And I think that's just some sort of like a little nugget of encouragement I want to throw out there that in family of origin stuff, I think people are often really overwhelmed, really afraid. um, Mm -hmm. And like there is anxiety beneath it. Because I remember when we first started kind of working on season one Mm -hmm. and talking openly about Mm -hmm. our family of origin stuff, it felt like falling it felt like really? this it isn't felt- right. Like this isn't, we're not supposed to be doing this. Is what like, it felt we're, like we're not supposed to be talking about this? Kind, Yeah. Like you're not supposed to say it out loud. You're mm. not supposed to talk about it. It's supposed to be silent. And, and that's it's fine when it's silent, but it's not. So you know? did you feel that way because we're talking to like millions of people about it? Or did you feel just uncomfortable? Just you uncomfortable and I in general. It? Like my parents, we don't talk about that stuff. Like yeah. at all, at all. Yeah. So I think. For me, it was like, this is too much. Like, so you were completely falling. Yeah. It felt underwater. like this is wrong. Like mm-hmm. this isn't going to be right. It's not going to be better. If mm-hmm. we talk about this, it's going to be worse or weirder or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, Was it worth it to you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Can, and, you, can you tell like people who may feel that way why it's actually worth it? Like in a real time way. Why is it worth it? Why should you do this? I think because like what um, Dr. Leslie says, I think it's in this episode, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Leslie says awareness is curative. Like when you are aware mm-hmm. that you are doing something. So, okay, let's just go to our notes now. So, because <laughs> it, it relates to that. Mm-hmm. Like Dr. Parrot, Les Parrot, her husband says mm-hmm. that the family of origin is like the unspoken rules of your home. It's right. the invisible rule book that mm-hmm. everybody has. And so I didn't know that I had an invisible rule book. And like he says, until you started breaking the rules that were in my invisible rule book. Mm. And one of the rules in my invisible rule book is you don't talk about it. Were you aware of that rule, though? Like, no. You knew not to do it, though, right? Yeah, but, but I was not like consciously aware. It's not even something I ever thought about. You never named it. But like they said, uh, you know it when you break it yes you know it when someone else has broken it and what did that look like in your family well here's a good really kind of funny example do you remember that time we went out to what it was it like red robin with matt carter and my parents no it was years ago i don't know why he was with us and it was the funniest thing because it was like you me my parents we have our own family of origin like you're part of that we're married whatever Mm -hmm. and then matt just like stuck out like a sore thumb because he did not know any Mm -hmm. of my family of origin, like invisible rules in Mm -hmm. air quotes. And he didn't follow any of them. And you could just see my parents were just like, what is going on? What is this idiot doing? And they love him. So you knew not to act like Matt was an unspoken rule in your family. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't just say whatever and you don't counter what my dad says and not that my dad is not mean so Mm -hmm. it's not like it doesn't matter but Mm -hmm. if you'd counter it you're just gonna talk for 17 hours about Mm -hmm. whatever the thing is so it's just interesting Mm -hmm. but i think again when we started talking about it for the podcast at first initially i was just like this is so weird and i don't like it and i wanted to just be i wanted to shut it all off like Mm -hmm. i wanted to not have to think about it i wanted everything to be at your family (laughs) yeah right right Um, notice i didn't interview my grandma i interviewed yours (laughs) well yeah um in the south people are keenly aware of i mean at least people who grew up there and parents grew up there you know and they're kind of steeped in the culture Mm -hmm. at least i was you're fairly keenly aware of like what you do and what you don't do mm-hmm. you know because you'll oh that's that's the weirdo or you know whatever you just is like so yeah there's tons of rules and you know when you break them but you know the rules too yeah 
Yeah. I know that I guess that's a good sort of similarity to family of origin. But mm-hmm. I think what Dr. Les and Leslie said, which was that unconscious role expectations is super important and like I wrote that too. Uh I loved is I mean, I think it's just sort of funny. And Nicole and Charlie, because Nicole literally, yeah. like, I've known her since I was little. We were next door neighbors, played mm-hmm. Barbies together. And mm-hmm. so I just loved their that whole that whole conversation around, well, this is what church is to me. No, well, this is what it is to me. And mm-hmm. the only difference is instruments. Like it's so crazy. And it's also heartbreaking. Cause yeah. there's Nicole saying, I'm giving up 20 years of my life and you're not having to do that. And mm-hmm. we didn't say anything about it. We just kind of went to your church and now what do we do? And right. I think it's just such a poignant and good. I mean, it's sad, but a good example of, of how family of origin can be just like weirdly intertwined into things that you would never ever think of. Mm-hmm. And they, I guarantee you they didn't have that conversation before we sat down and recorded no, no, I don't think so. I remember one very distinct thing, and I can't remember if we talked about this or not, but it was one of the first times that you came to visit my family. I think it was the first time you came mm-hmm. to visit my family, and we weren't even married yet, but uh, we did the whole cross-country trip and everything, and in, in my family, like, just during the week, you know, it's like, okay, you eat supper, you clean up, you go feed the animals or whatever you have, you know, or do some chores outside, and then when 8 o'clock or so rolls around, you're like, boom. TV time, right? You don't do anything kind of thing. And I remember sitting on the couch in the sunroom at my Mm -hmm. mom and dad's house. And it was like 745. And I was like, hey, let's go sit down, you know. And we sat on the couch. And you were like, what are we doing? I was like, what do you mean, what are we doing? We're watching TV. We're watching Dancing with the Stars. No. And like, and we're going to watch TV till we go to bed, right? And you're like, what? No, but that's what my family would do, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what my expectation of, of what you and I would do. But you're mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. who knows what you wanted to do? Go, you know, downtown or, you know. Anything else, <laughs> anything <laughs> other than watch TV. Right. That's funny. I didn't know that, that that you thought that. Yeah. Another thing that stood out to me going back to when we interviewed your grandma mm-hmm. at the end, what she says is, I would never admit that Mm. I had made a mistake. Mm -hmm. Never. I would never admit that I made a mistake. And Mm. I thought, golly, if that's not Seth. (laughs) What? (laughs) I'm as humble as they come. Yeah, right. Um, But I just thought that was really interesting because I think through the majority of our marriage, it's like we've had instances where you've done something that isn't necessarily wise or helpful or good Mm -hmm. or whatever, but you you are going to silver line the crap mm-hmm. out of it and be like nope not a mistake nope that is yeah, not that's a true. mistake like optimistic silver line it to death but on the converse of that like when i know that i'm wrong i'm like okay that was a i blew it on that one and you do apologize right yeah i don't and mean I don't, you, yeah i don't mean like mm-hmm. it in that way like in a bad way but yeah it was just interesting to hear your grandma say that and hear it in this context mm-hmm. now like years after recording it yeah. and thinking about how you know, different things have transpired in our lives and how that same, that pattern is prevalent. Yeah. And I just thought it was kind of an interesting It is thing. honestly really trippy to go back and listen to work that we did years ago and then still, still see reoccurring themes, like we said at the top of the show. It's like, mm-hmm. these things don't go away. They just, you get better at them and mm-hmm. your, your mind is expanded and I have more love for you, more understanding of you mm-hmm. and we can resolve differences 
and uh, prom- or, or celebrate different honor differences and promote linkages way a million trillion times more than we could a Back, year yeah. in or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, so it's like it doesn't go away. You just get better at it. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and you have more tools to do it mm-hmm. well. And mm-hmm. I think comparing, you know, even when we made this season. We didn't have all the tools we needed then because no. we made some of the tools we needed then. You know, mm-hmm. we made a bunch of the tools that we wished we had had back then. We made the show we so, wished we had. Yeah, so we didn't even have them when we were making the show. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to listen back and you can kind of hear um, even the tension there as we're making the show and working through it and trying to make mm-hmm. sense of it. And uh, But I think too, as you mature in your relationships, the goal and the hope is that here's a really funny analogy but it's true Mm -hmm. so like last week or i guess it was like christmas time Mm -hmm. i got a dyson vacuum the most expensive vacuum i've ever had is probably a hundred dollars like tops fries a hundred no i got you a 149 dollar one one time oh it was a hundred and forty nine (laughs) dollars of like the loudest plastic garbage vacuum ever and um and it's the same tool, a Dyson versus like a Bissell or whatever, Hoover. Um, but <laughs> You know too many vacuums. I love vacuums and I've never had a good one. Mm. So, but like th- that, just that analogy right there, like I don't want to have a Bissell forever or a, just like a Dookie. I'm not saying Bissell <laughs> is Dookie, but like a uh, Dirt Devil. How about that? I just, this is funny you saying a Dookie vacuum. Okay. I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. Um, but like, I don't want to have crap anymore for tools. Yes. So now I said, we got a gift card to Lowe's. Let's go get a real vacuum. We mm-hmm. got one that was hundreds of dollars. And right. man, that thing sucks. It sucks. Um, but it is the it is great. But it's the same tool. It just works better. It's more mm-hmm. efficient. Mm-hmm. It's less loud. All of these things. And so I think that, that when I look at all of these episodes and I remaster them and edit them again and go through them. It's, it's that idea. Like we get better at the skills. We get better tools for the Mm -hmm. skills. We grow in different areas. It makes us more able to control and handle and walk through these things and deal with them and Mm -hmm. be better at that, all those things. And so I don't know if that's a word of encouragement or not, but that's just kind of the thing that stuck out to me is that Mm -hmm. um, people often say stuff. It sounds really disheartening like marriage is hard mm-hmm. it's not easy you don't know what you're getting into like that kind of thing which sounds so bad and i don't like it well, but it might it's, be reflective of their past marriages or whatever i don't know yeah i mean know? but we've said it like marriage is really hard sometimes yeah but at the same exact time so is vacuuming just get a better vacuum and i don't mean change your spouse i just mean <laughs> upgrade your tools the one thing that i did think was also really impactful was this idea of I use this analogy of like, if you amputated your foot, it affects the whole body. Right. Um, you know, and you talked about like a family of origin is like a mobile hanging over a baby's mm-hmm. bed. If one and thing moves and homeostasis, mm-hmm. one thing changes the other thing. Yeah. And that has to, it's called a positive or, fe- positive or negative feedback loop. And the thing that I think we never really said explicitly in that, I think you know it. So I don't think you communicated it necessarily, but like, what what I think of when you say if you do one thing in this mobile hanging over a baby's bit crib, all the other pieces move. And what I wish that we had sort of talked about then was if you change one bit of family of origin, mm-hmm. it, like so for example, in our own family, we live slightly differently from my parents and my sister and all of that. Slightly? <laughs> but anyway, when we change one thing of that, it disrupts the whole like web 
yes. or network or mm-hmm. whatever. And I think that is what people really struggle with in family of origin because when you get married to somebody, you're mixing two families of origin. So mm-hmm. stuff is gonna change. It's think of it like colors. Like you're mm-hmm. going from red over here and then your family is blue. Well, together we're purple. Mm-hmm. Red and blue make purple. Mm-hmm. But the red family is mad because they're like, they well, don't like, you're purple. not red. Why are you purple? Purple's scary. Yeah, like you're supposed to be all red. Why are you purple? Right. And what if you're even like to the side of blue purple? Like, right. oh my gosh. That's- so if you come from a dysfunctional family of origin then when you join with another person, you can be seen as a threat mm-hmm. to the homeostasis of the, the, the person's family of origin that you're marrying, right? Mm-hmm. Or partnering with. Yeah. And if that family is dysfunctional, they're not going to know how to handle it. They're going to mm-hmm. like get butthurt about everything. And like there might be some cutoffs in there. Like, do you know what I mean by cutoff? Like, Jeans. Just kidding. <laughs> no. Um, Daisy Dukes. <laughs> nope. Not, not denim or... Summer where I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like emotional cutoff. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. You know, you, you know, and then families don't talk to each other for six months or a mm-hmm. year or whatever like that. And that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting to think of it that way. Cause I know like, I think that that's what you meant when you said when you move one piece, all the other pieces move. But we mm-hmm. never really talked about why you said it that way hmm. um, in the in the introduction. Like it, we start out with that in the intro, Matt. Okay, ask. think think of, think about this. And I'm not uh, saying that our family of origins are like this at all. But I do work a lot with drug and alcohol uh, um, addictions and stuff like that. So say that you are running with a crew, like you and your boys. You know, you're partying all the time. Like just drinking. Drinking is central to mm-hmm. all the stuff you guys do, uh-huh. right? And then, um, and, and it gets bad. You you know you're slacking off on work. You know, trouble with the law, all this stuff, right? So one of those group of five friends decides, hey, this isn't for me, and wants to get sober, right? Mm-hmm. So that person is changing the whole dynamic mm-hmm. of the group. Mm-hmm. Oh, what are you doing? You're too good to come drink with us, mm-hmm. you know? No, I'm not. I'm just, this is for me. You know, yeah. I'm chilling. You know, I'll still hang out. But then, you know, those are the people that are drinking f- kind of feel convicted or feel mm-hmm. guilty or whatever. And then eventually that person who wants to get sober goes about his own way, mm-hmm. you know, or, or influence the other influences the other folks mm-hmm. to, you know, change, change uh, lighten up on drinking and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, or it can go the other way. That person that wants to get sober feels too much pressure and he just goes back. Flops right back. Right. Yeah. So it's 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 always a system. We all come from systems, family of origin, uh, communities, culture, mm-hmm. where we work, where we live, uh, religion. Oh my goodness, religion. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Well, you and know? you talked too about, and this is in another episode, but you talked about that rubber fence idea where it's mm-hmm. like, people in systems can only go so far like it's like pushing up against a rubber fence i think of like wwe wwf the rubber fence yeah but then all of a sudden you shoot back in because the family is pulling you back in they're saying no you that is not acceptable Mm -hmm. come back and so you just fling back in sometimes it's more unspoken than that and then you hit the undertaker I just thought of like his funky eye thing that he did. <laughs> I love it and think it's so cute that you and your brother like used to watch The Undertaker and you watched WWE. WWF. It was WWF well, back then. Who knows what it is now? But it's not like you get, it's not the rubber fence is you get pulled back in. Yeah. It's, it's like more of a silent thing. Like you're going out on your thing mm-hmm. and then just emotionally and psychologically you hit that rubber fence and you know you know, based on what your mom is doing, your dad's doing, like their approval mm-hmm. or, or disapproval levels. It's like, oh, 
you bounce back yourself. Well, yeah, that's like so it's, it's like what we were talking about at the beginning. Like when we started talking about family of origin stuff, that's what I was hitting. Like mm. that rubber fence. Like my own like alarm systems were going off saying, exactly. stop talking about this. Yeah. Your don't. mom wasn't listening to the show and pulled mm-hmm. you back. Melanie, don't do that. No. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. It's like ingrained neuropathologically, mm-hmm. pathway-logically, uh, <laughs> that you just know that, right? Yeah. And that can be really scary to go about that. But thank the good Lord that we have some growth mindsets going mm-hmm. on. Well, and I think even apart from it being scary, like you have this visceral, like your body stops you. Mm. It's like trying to touch a hot burner. Like mm-hmm. Your body is not going mm-hmm. to let you do that. Right. Um, it, it stops you. And so in the same way with family of origin, those invisible, that invisible rule book, uh-huh. that unspoken laws of the things that are happening, they stop you. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to have a very, very, very strong will to one continue on that journey if that's what you want to do but two mm-hmm. not let it cause really bad conflict because then you can immediately go well you're the problem see if you mm-hmm. would just this and that mm-hmm. then we wouldn't this and that and um, so murray bowen family systems yeah therapy family systems with bowen family therapy uh talks about being differentiated mm-hmm. and that's what it is like having the courage the willpower the insight the wisdom to Go against your family norms, mm-hmm. but lot not like in a F you, I'm out of here mm-hmm. way, you know, mm-hmm. blow it up and don't come back. Yeah, like a healthy way. Yeah, and it's really cool because, you know, when he like created family systems and all that stuff, I think he was in his, well, he was a therapist forever, but he was like in his 40s, 50s, and 60s, and then made, I don't know how long it took him, but like a 15-year commitment to like become completely differentiated and like repair family stuff and all the stuff and mm. uh I, I think that he ended up doing it i don't quite remember but it was really 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 mm. interesting or maybe he didn't but he tried forever and i just thought it was really cool to like to see a highly educated therapist doing his own work what he's prescribing mm-hmm. you know which is really cool so um i go to my therapist brain often when we record like this and i am really curious to ask you a couple of questions this is not on either script here but so uh with this new house move and all this stuff you know there's been a lot of stress and just like goodness this i didn't i didn't even anticipate feeling this way about all this new stuff that we're doing you know where do you think that you might be coming up against a rubber fence or trying to differentiate from your family of origin or in relationship to me kind of thing. Can you, Um, can you just, I don't, honestly, I don't think that my, so this is going to sound weird, but I think you have assimilated so well into my family in a way Mm -hmm. and they accept you like totally Mm -hmm. that, uh, I don't feel like it's family related. I don't think, I mean, sorry, I don't feel like it's relationship related that I hit a rubber fence with my family in terms of family of origin. I think it is my, uh, desire to do stuff, personally that has nothing to do with what my family's ever done like speaking at events and traveling and Mm -hmm. i don't love being a parent i don't love parenting i don't love doing housework i hate yard work Mm -hmm. i hate anything like Mm -hmm. that i just think it's so stupid i mean i love being a mom i love having kids i love Mm -hmm. hanging out with them and doing fun things Mm -hmm. but the um the monotony of like caring for a yard i never ever ever want to do Yeah, I'll Why? look at because a wildflower. In, that's cool, but I don't want to take care of it because your shift, your 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 focus, and thinking and aspirations have shifted from that stuff, and you're like, 
that's not as important when I have like a message to say and people to talk to. Yeah. I mean, it's like at one point, in, at one season in my life, taking care of my house was like the only thing I did. Mm-hmm. And my kids, like that was my job. And I thought mm-hmm. it was fine. It was great. It was whatever. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any problems with it. And then um, we started the podcast mm-hmm. and, I, and I was like, oh, th- I really, really like this. Like this kind of ignites a new thing in me. Oh, I have a skill. I can build a skill. Oh, mm-hmm. I can build a community around the skill. Oh, I can like have other, I can have jobs now based off this skill. I can do consulting or like, so it started this sort of momentum and energy that kind of took the importance of taking care of a house and went you know what? Someone else can do that. You can actually pay somebody to do that. And I can go do these other things while my kids are still, I mean, I'm not ignoring my children. I'm not letting anybody else raise them. We're all doing this together, but I'm just not doing all of the laundry, all of the dishes, weeding the yard, you know, mowing the grass, all of that stuff. And y'all, it sounds like I have a maid and a nanny. I don't, (laughs) I still do it all myself, but, uh, or we still do it all. But it's that kind of thing where I think that is my biggest family of origin struggle. It isn't you how you fit into my family of origin. It is how my um, not fitting into the role that is expected for a female in my family of origin. Okay, so do you feel pushback from your family of origin? Because I've known you for, obviously, a long time, and I know you, and you present like... uh, You present like depressed, and you just get really quiet you know, like in our interactions together. But I don't understand. You say that, do you, do you, are you feeling pushback from your desires that are different now than they were eight years ago or whatever from your family of origin that you should just stay home and take care of the yard? Or like, do you feel judged because, you know, your sister's and mom's yards are like really nice and ours isn't? I am depressed by it legitimately. Yeah. I, I don't have a maid. I don't have someone to help me with the yard work. Mm-hmm. I present depressed because I am. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Yeah. Like really hate it and cry about it and hate it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what you're asking. It doesn't really have, I mean, there is a part of me that wishes, why can't I just be like them? Mm. It would be really easy if I didn't have to mm. take care of the yard and try to do all this stuff because I love this stuff yeah. and I don't have help. Yeah. And that's what makes me depressed. And it's also very like damning. Like mm-hmm. my sister loves yard work. My sister's great mm-hmm. at it. My mom is great at it. Their houses look like magazines. And I don't care, but like, I'm not like, oh, mm. my house is so bad. Our house is really bad. But I, I don't think of it that way. I'm like, mm-hmm. why can't I just want what they want? That would be mm. so much easier. I'm so sorry. I didn't know that. You don't know anything. <laughs> no, I really, I'm, I'm sorry. Not because of anything I did, but I, I, I feel sorry for you. And it makes me sad that you're thinking that way of like, comparing yourself you know what i'm saying like like any client i would ever have i would say listen that's not helpful for you right now comparing yourself i wish i could just not be this way i wish i could just like yard work i wish i could just whatever you know there's thousands of women listening to this podcast probably i wish i could just be like melanie and just know how to do a podcast or whatever, you know, or sing, or like, whatever, you know what I'm saying? And like, I talked to a person in session today, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. Comparison is the killer of like, happiness, Mm -hmm. you know? So what, 
are you doing? But that I'm not saying. Is it, is it? Hold on. Is it family of origin that because you're not like your mom and sister, you're not like your other sister either, and your sister's not like her sister. You know what I'm saying? So, like, uh, I, I I don't get it. Can you can you give me an example to help me understand it? Like, would it be like, oh, you know, uh, your brother makes or my brother makes a ton of money and I don't? That's not the case. But uh, you know. And I'm just comparing myself to that and being like, oh, why can't I do this? Why can't I do this? I don't want to do this. I hate this. It's not comparison in, as much as it is like in my family of origin mm-hmm. and and the way I was raised, my dad talked about it all the time mm-hmm. that you're going to be a mother one mm-hmm. day. That's mm-hmm. what you're going to do. And she's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And like we talk about going to college. He's like, well, you know, do whatever you want. But one day you'll be a mom. And mm-hmm. he wasn't trying to be weird. Mm-hmm. He was like, that's what my mom did. And that's what my wife's doing. That's what moms do. That's what mm-hmm. women do. Mm-hmm. And um, there's this very strong underlying current, under underlying message or current that um, sort of doing something that is not just housework or not just raising your kids feels wrong. Mm. Like, you shouldn't be going to Nashville. You shouldn't be going to Louisville. You shouldn't be going to Dallas. Like those Mm. aren't things moms do. Mm. You shouldn't be leaving your kids with us. Like that's not something a mom does. A dad can do that. Any dad can do that. Dads Mm. do it all the time, Mm. but moms aren't supposed to. And my mom would never do that. And my sister would never do that. My other sister would never do that. But my brothers would do that. Like Secretly, you are being judged honestly yeah and i don't think it's and i don't think my i mean my family is great like they aren't they are they yeah, watch our not, children they like so yeah. I, I don't want to make well, it to sound like that but. anybody that has listened to this podcast we, yeah we just talk about our families but we love our families so yeah. we're not talking crap or gossiping or anything mm-hmm. it's just but there is an element of like oh i wouldn't do that mm-hmm. like i wouldn't i wouldn't go and and again too i'm very different from my entire family in that sense mm. where I want to go everywhere. I want to mm-hmm. do everything. Like, yeah, I'll eat whatever. Like, oh, it's like some gross weird thing. Sure. I'll try that. I'll try it again. Cause I want to try it again. You know? Right. Like, and that's one thing that I absolutely love about you. Like you, <laughs> you have eaten more crazy foods than all of your family combined. Mm-hmm. Right. You have traveled one quadrillion more miles to many, many different countries than your family has combined, mm-hmm. right? So you are that person. And e- but even in that, even just in that, there is like this, you you shouldn't be doing that. You know, that's not wise. Mm. Like, that's not what we did. And and maybe, are you sure you want to do that? And there's a, there's a part of me that's like, um, you know, in terms of travel and just being different than my family, that's really hard to navigate. But then on top of that, having a deep desire to be like, I want to try to have a business. I want to run a business. I want to travel all over the world and speak in mm-hmm. front of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. My desire is this massive. It's not small. Mm-hmm. It's not, oh, I want to speak at a church. I love speaking at churches, by the mm-hmm. way. If you want me to speak at your church, just email me at hello to anatomy But uh, <laughs> I, it's not that. It's not a little dream. It's a right. huge dream. So the, the difference that that is just, contrasted against my family mm-hmm. that's one family of, el- of origin element mm-hmm. the second is um that is not what moms do moms mm-hmm. don't do that so that's another element the third one is i don't have like i have to still be doing yard work mm-hmm. doing dishes doing laundry vacuuming up ants mm-hmm. all day like 
slogging mud and goat crap because that's what we have on our property. Like these are things that don't line up mm-hmm. and I'm like stunted to not be able to do what I want to do, if that makes sense. For me and where we are right now, I see this as, and we've talked about this, as temporary and or a season, right? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right now we're getting like flooding rains and literally our whole driveway and whole freaking three and a half acres are just like grassy mud pile water fest. It's like every kid's dream in rain boots. Like ours right. just like puddles everywhere. Right. But when I have to walk to work and, you know, in like five in the morning or something, slogging through mud is not fun. Or when we have to take the dog out or whatever, you know, and we have ants right now, y'all. Uh, luckily the exterminator is going to come in like two days or whatever, but just ants, right? So it's every day is almost a test. And I know, and I've seen it, that it is just like killing you inside. You know, I know this and I'm not, that's not, I'm not being facetious or overdramatic. I know that it's really hard for you, but you yourself have, you know, your word for this year, faithful. Okay. You know, and we are, we've gone through much harder things than this for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And we, 100% will get through this. And I told you a couple of days ago, or even today, again, I will carry you through this right now. You know, because like in other podcasts, we talked about there's times when one spouse just needs to be carried or one spouse needs to carry, right? Mm-hmm. And I have no doubt in my mind that, well, I've carried you before, you've carried me before too, but I am 100%, 110% willing and ready and want to do that again. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like, feel whatever you need to feel, do whatever you need to do, and I'll carry you, you know? And that's, does that make sense at all? I mean, I mm-hmm. hope you I hope you feel that, and I don't know how that jumped from this topic to family, from family of origin, but... Well, I mean, uh, it is all very interconnected, because mm-hmm. that is a big part of, like, my current struggle is, like, it's not, mm-hmm. it's, it, I know it's a season, like, mm-hmm. and... I am being faithful in it, and I'm so thankful for that word, faithful. Like, I know that sounds weird, but it's my word of the year. Like, it's carrying me through already, which is amazing. But at the same time, like, this is very interwoven with family of origin stuff because some of the things that cause conflict, personal conflict, just for myself, Mm -hmm. are coming from family of origin, and most of them are rubber fence things. There is not Mm. a person looking at me saying, you're making bad choices. You're dumb. It is the sense deep inside of me that I am making bad choices. Mm -hmm. It's not right that a mom should do this. I'm not devoted to my kids, or I don't love them as much as my sister does, whatever. It's all these, like, it's what I'm putting onto myself. Mm -hmm. And I know that it isn't right, but it also is an immense struggle to fight Mm-hmm. that feeling right and be vacuuming ants even though i have a dyson like the, mm. i mean it's all these things and i know it's just a season and um i mean i i don't know i'm i feel confident in it as well and i appreciate you saying i will carry you if you need to but man i got my own two feet okay mm-hmm. that's good like i really feel like it uh i really feel like we've almost kind of like boomeranged back around this is so trippy too like with the re-release of this season one we've like boomeranged back around where like i'm like in a mind space because i'm doing the 75 hard and stuff and like you told me you've seen a huge difference in that and i'm like okay great i'm doing it for myself even if you see it or not it doesn't matter it's like 
putting myself through, th- through something hard and I'm looking at everything so massively different of like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I, I love you. It, and I feel like I felt when we were going through the crap, when you wanted to leave and I was saying, no, we're not going to leave. We're going to pray eight zillion times a day mm-hmm. and I will carry every single thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I did. And it worked. And I, I'm fully prepared to do that now. Do I absolutely want to? Not really. But that's my weak self-talking, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, yeah, I'll do it. Does the faithful side of you want to? Does the side of you that wants to see what that looks like on the other end, having done that, mm-hmm. want to, you know? Yeah. And that, and that's what I think. Like, I know that this is just a season. I know that right. even the ants, like the dude's coming in two days and right. we will be fine. And it's well, whatever. But even, even getting this whole new property. So the property is amazing and beautiful, right? I know it's a long show, but I don't care. People will like it. <laughs> why, why are you mad at me? <laughs> um, uh, but this, this house is not what I thought it would be. And it may not be what you thought it would be. Right? I told you I wasn't going to live in it. And here we are. No, but then living in it. No, no, I told you. So, so we have season four coming up. Uh, <laughs> I would rather be divorced again. Oh no, <laughs> that's funny. I will not let you. Um, but anyway, I'm just joking. Uh, but what I'm saying is, this. How about this? In a weird way, it's like, okay, this is just we're just touching down in this house. I feel like, you know what I'm saying. And not maybe I'm not trying to be like super goofy, optimistic, you know, ADHD like I usually am. But I feel we're just we're we're touching down here. Do you know what that means? Like, okay, we're gonna be on the ground for a little bit, and then poof, mm-hmm. we're going back somewhere else. Yeah. Well, and I feel like this particular season, the way that I'm, the season of our life, not the season of the podcast, but this particular season of our life is a testing ground, and that that and. Whether I'm right or wrong, I don't even care. But I feel like you are absolutely right. I feel it's like hard. Anything hard is a test. Yeah, and I feel like this situation um, is is challenging. But but the test is what do we do with the challenge? Do right. we fight about it? Do we yell at each other? Do we blame each other? Or are we faithful? Mm-hmm. And that's the place that I'm in right now. And that's something I wish I had known, or, or even I, I mean, this is not even a thought that it crossed my mind five years ago, four years ago, three years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wish that I had thought that back when we were going through all of this, like Mm -hmm. this is a test. How will you do on it? Because if you don't pass it this time, you'll just get another one. Mm -hmm. Like Joyce Meyer says that all the time. I love Joyce Meyer. I want to meet Joyce Meyer. If you know Joyce Meyer or have any connections with Joyce Meyer, email me at hello at anatomyofmarriage.com. But she says that all the time. She's like, God will keep giving you tests until you pass them. Mm -hmm. So... Why did you pass it the even, first time? Even after you pass them. Oh yeah, yeah. Like to you know, refresher <laughs> again. It's not like you pass and poof, presto, you're yeah, you're there. It's it's it, another test. Like every single stupid ant, which there are thousands, hundreds of thousands. <laughs> that's a test. Yeah, and that's what I like. I don't know. I but I agree then that you suck it up with a vacuum with my Dyson on max power. But um. That is what I think of in this season of life and how it's really amazing to look at this season of our podcast mm-hmm. sort of overlaid with how far we've come, mm-hmm. how it's changed how we are as people and what that looks like. I just think it's really um, it's really cool to watch. And it also is like um, the word faithful came to me because of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Because in 2020, I want to be faithful to everything 
having to do with our show. Mm. I want to put all other things, any other projects, no consulting, no side podcasts, no document, nothing else. I am not going to do anything else but put all of my energy on helping people and helping our marriage Mm -hmm. and growing stronger and growing our family. Like Mm -hmm. those are my goals and faithful is the word to get me there. Mm. And if I hadn't been doing the podcast... I would not have chosen, I would not even have had a word of the year because I wouldn't have cared. Mm -hmm. I would have been weeding. (laughs) This podcast, and I've said it before and I'll say it 500 more times, is like so cathartic and therapeutic for us. Yeah, this is probably... absolutely is. Yeah, we have not connected this way for months. Because you've been mad at me the whole time because the ants. I will throw this microphone <laughs> into your face. I'll throw ants on you. Um, I, I have, they're already on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I haven't been mad at you because of the ants. I have been faithful and I've yes. been good at it. So, yes. But um, the other thing I want to say before we wrap up, and I know this is a long episode, but whatever. Should we make it a two-parter? Mm, no. Um, but I did want to say in our mastermind group, it's a paid subscription group that you join we do a live call every week where you get to actually talk to us it's not just a a video it's an actual zoom call that we record so we talk about your whatever you're going through whether that's financial stuff Mm -hmm. you know intimacy issues infidelity whatever it is we're there that's the group therapy model we created it's um, the mastermind group you can learn more about it at anatomyofmarriage.com and click on the mastermind button Mm -hmm. and if you join that group you get the season one workbook that goes along with all these episodes for free Um, and we're working through that workbook starting this saturday Mm -hmm. Um, so just in a couple of days we're going to be starting chapter one um, so people have time to follow and catch up and all that stuff and it Mm -hmm. has the workbook is like 80-something pages long. It is not a joke. It is a serious workbook. It's, it's not a seven-page crap PDF download. This is right. real, and it goes along with every episode of the season one. And we really want you to... Uh, we encourage you, if you're struggling in your marriage and you're finding that therapy is not helpful or whatever, join our mastermind. It is way less expensive. It's cheaper by far than therapy, and you're going to get a lot out of it. You're going to have a community. You're going to have the workbook to go on. I mean, mm-hmm. all those things. But if you don't want to join the mastermind or it's too much commitment right now, get the workbook. It's 24 bucks and you can right. work through it at your own pace. You can work. Th- we've had church groups work through it. We've mm-hmm. had, you know, couples work through it together or alone. So seriously. And then we're re-talking about it on the show too. Yeah. So it's like it's you get even, but It's like triple whammy. Like it's all of the good things. Right. And it's real help for real couples. This stuff ain't fake and it's this not ain't fake. I didn't go to fluff. grad school for three years for nothing, people. And if you don't want the workbook, but you want to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash anatomy of marriage and just make a donation there. $2, $5, $100. It's great. <laughs> no, but for real, uh, if, you, if, we, if you value this show and you, want, <clears throat> and you want to support things that you value, then do go to patreon.com forward slash anatomy of marriage. If you want to catch us live, we're doing a uh, He Said, She Said marriage conference in Louisville, Kentucky in february the 7th and 8th mm-hmm. so you can grab tickets i posted an eventbrite thing today so you guys we hope you enjoyed the show it's super long but it's worth it hit us up at hello at anatomy you got anything else to say babe yeah thank you for hanging out with us as we work through our own stuff and our own thoughts and conversations and please share the show with your friends mm-hmm. like people need this information they need this help they need to know that other people are out there thinking the same thing that they're thinking mm-hmm. and they need these tools so please share the show we can't wait to be back next week and have a wonderful time and yeah talk to you later <laughs> all right bye guys bye.